welcome to Solid Dog Blues and Roots, an interview with uh, Mr. Jeff Lang. Yeah, talking to Jeff uh, on the eve of his uh, national tour, promote the new album, uh, I Live In My Head, a lot these days. Talk to Jeff about uh, writing, uh, mentoring, uh, songwriting processes, some essential listening, and uh, it's a great rare interview, uh, Jeff, where he talks a lot about uh, his processes. Great stuff uh, out on the road in the studio. songs and getting around to recording them. Um, the actual recording process isn't very long. It's used, in this case, it was only like three days. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, a couple of days worth of sundry overdubs and things after that. Um, so it's not like a long, protracted process in the actual recording of it, but the the preparation work, the writing of the songs and, and everything, um, that can take a while. It's, a lot of it's waiting, you know. You can't run Yeah, yeah of course. Look... Um, I've got to ask you about lyrics. I mean, um, I think I exchanged something with um, uh, Samuel Fells about uh, being at Fabulous and Bent. Um, look, I, mean, I played a track uh, on last week's show, um, Waiting for the Headlights Through the Blinds, um, which, uh, which, which sort of took me to a dark suburban place. Um, yeah, it's not a very, not particularly nice character who's, who's narrating that song. That's right. It's a little bit unhinged. Yeah, I, I could see myself in Box Hill North years ago, but there you go. Um, so, so, so what is that about, and where do you get these stories? That just, I mean, it, a lot of the time, there's no conscious decision-making in, in the actual creation of it. I, I try to keep that out of it, to be honest, because that kind of analytical mindset... Um, I find the types of writing that I do when I'm in that mindset to be a little bit boring. Um, yeah. But, yeah, maybe they've got some merit and, you know, some of those lyrics I'll go through at a later stage and find something that's worthwhile in them. But when I write stuff from a, a conscious or a, um, a predetermined, deliberate point of view, um, to me it always ends up sounding contrived, whereas things that I, I don't really control it that much just just try and recognize when something's coming to me and sometimes you know i'll be writing stuff down and, and obviously 
you can see it as you're doing it, but I try not to process it too much. Try not to sort of reread it and look back over it and go, oh, what's that about or something. I just try and get the lines as they come. Um, it's a hard discipline to enforce, but it, it usually ends up being more interesting to me to do it that way. unedited big lump of, of lyrics and, and then later on I had to do a little bit of sculpting with that just to get the right um, emphasis out. Um, actually I sat down a fair bit before the record with, with uh, a couple of times with a friend of mine Charles Jenkins who's a great writer and um, mm -hmm. just just played a couple of, you know, played through the songs to him and just sort of went, hey, you know, have you got any, any um, you know, opinions just just you know your first impressions things that you think could improve or help bring these songs to a logical conclusion and his suggestion with that one was that possibly where it initially was wasn't quite bent enough um yeah, yeah. That it was worth sort of bringing something out that that gave just a little bit more of an edge to it because it hinted at things but it didn't say them so much and you don't want to give away too much but um yeah so i sort of went back in once you got the once I've got the raw material there, you know, a big block of stuff. Either it's finished or or it can be worked on, but applying the analytical mindset to it after you've kind of come out with things is is far more um, rewarding than just sort of writing the entire thing from that mindset. Yeah, I understand. Um, you sort of emulate uh, like Richard Thompson, uh, Dylan Waits in that sort of approach. Well, I guess they've been inspirational. I don't consciously try to emulate what they've done because that would again get into the, uh, the the idea of it being contrived and sort of yeah. And and it's also just too daunting to sort of sit yeah. down with a blank page essentially to write a song. Go you know, right now, what would Richard Thompson do? And you just sit there with your head <laughs> in your hands, going, "He'd be awesome," and I'm not, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it's too hard to think like that. Um, God, you know, if, if any of the stuff that I uh, that I write makes anyone, you know, makes you hear it and think, oh yeah, it's kind of in the vein of those guys, well then I'm pretty happy. I'll take that, you know. Well, you should take it. You're on the right tram. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> it's a shame. One day I'll, 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 you know, move up off the back of the back seat, and you know, those guys are kind of driving. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. Look. And, and, and sonically, I'm going to stick with that track. That's what I know best because I've only had the album a couple of days. Um, and sonically, um, incredible soaring guitar. Now, um, is it, can you do this sort of stuff live? How are you going to translate that to your national tour? Um, there's there's a certain um, the core of each song is is based around a live performance. So, um, yeah, any of the songs on on the album. 
the basic gist of it was a three or four piece live recording with the main part. In that case, it was this kind of the resonating guitar and more the kind of rhythmic driving part of the song. The other things, you just do things that live that, that can bring out the mood and the flavour of what you've done. The idea of emulating the record in, in, in any kind of exactness isn't really that important to me, to be honest. You just try and, you know, it's like in the same sense that I don't, even though most of it's tracked live, the lead vocal will be done live, the main guitar part along with the rhythm section and everything. It's still not like you're trying to capture the quality of a gig. That's That, that would be a mistake, I think, for recording, to try and make it sound like, to try and make it capture the exact same thing that you do live because you can't it's it's just not the same um you know for starters the people who are listening to it they're not there you're, you're playing to them down the line somewhere in their home or in their car or in ear, earbuds on the train or you know yeah. who knows where so and you're not in front of them it's not a visceral physical presence like at a gig so yeah. you can't really emulate that um you just try and bring out the mood of the song the best way you can on that day when you're recording it and then likewise you let go of that and then just get on with performing the song in a way that feels you know feels right at the time so night to night they change and um you know it can act as some kind of blueprint but given that usually i don't listen to the record after we've finished making it then you kind of even if i was trying to do it exactly the same it wouldn't really be exactly the same because it would just be the way I remember it being off the record. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can imagine it kind of would drive you mad if every day in the tour bus you're going, OK, guys, now we're going to listen to the record again. I know we did yeah. yesterday, but today we've <laughs> got to refresh our memories as to exactly what happened. It yeah, would be a drag. You've been two beats behind, you're sacked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. be a drag, man. So Any real help at all, people will break your heart. Every time People will break your heart It happens every weekend It's Saturday night I should be blasted on wine Not walking round at midnight Thinking of you, my friend People will break your heart Every time People will break your heart Every time Yeah, you just let each thing be what it is. Yeah, now well, it gives you a bit of room to move too, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, that's something I build into the process with making a record. You know, the types of musicians I like playing with, the way that I... The things that I do suggest and the things that I leave up to them, it's all part of... There's a level of trust involved with, with the level of guys that, like, you know, Greg Sheehan, and Danny McKenna and Grant Comerford, they're... You know, these, these are very good players and, and, I, and I have them there primarily for the way they think on their instruments. So their instinct is very strong and you can kind of, I can leave 
certain things in some songs more than others, but, but definitely at most of the time I can leave a fair bit of it floating. Like, you know, I don't need to tell Grant a bass line. I can just show him where the changes are in the song and he'll come up with something that's better than I would have suggested in the first yeah, place, yeah. you know. So that, that being the way it is, even if we're doing multiple takes in the studio and all focusing on a song quite intensely, um, they'll be different take to take and it's just a matter of your personal preference, which one has the right vibe. Um, you know, generally, most of the time, we'll all be kind of, yeah, that one locked in the best, you know. Um, On this album, um, it was um, Greg Sheehan. Yeah. But um, is Tim Keegan doing the tour? Well, that's Grant actually. Grant, um, oh, Grant played bass, and and Tim Sheehan's playing. Uh, Tim Keegan's playing bass on the tour, ah, um, just because Grant's had um, had a second child, and so he can't be away for the amount of time. Uh, so this will be the first time that I've been out with a different bass player in God, decades. <laughs> and uh, Tim's been playing with uh, Stringer, um, Dyson, and uh, Chloe, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's really good, and and he's and he's toured with Danny as well. So those guys are kind of dialed in. Um, we had the first run through of material the other night and it was really good. So, um, yeah, it, it's, I've managed to land on my feet there. I was a little nervous about it because, you know, you build up a musical relationship yeah. over a long period of time like that. It's not like you can just throw them to one side um, and just go, yeah, whatever. I don't care who plays bass. You know, it's not like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not like that at all. So, um, but yeah, I wasn't nervous in the sense of worrying about whether whether Tim would cut it, because like you said, I mean, I went and saw the Dyson Stringer Chloe gig last year at the Thornbury Theatre in Melbourne, and it was, that was my gig of the year. It was an incredible gig. Yeah, no, it was fabulous, yeah. Um, coming, coming back to the uh, instrumentation on this, um, you, uh, you, know, you use Churchill guitars, um, and you've taken tours into world music and all sorts of uh, things. How are all those things coming together in, in instrumentation on this album? Well, I, I basically approach it song by song. I mean, there are there are elements of, of um, where I've experimented with, you know, collaborations with other musicians, you know, some of the more world music type of things, for want of a better term, yeah. that, that come out. So, yeah, there's definitely there's a few songs on this record that have drawn on, you know, West African music and stuff, but hopefully not in a way that's, um, again, sounding forced and contrived. I mean... It, it's basically if a, if a riff comes to me and, and a song kind of grows out of that or if I've written some lyrics and the feel of it suggests a riff and that has, you know, incorporated some of the influence of, of you know, any particular type of music, I just kind of run with it. If, it's, if it sounds good to me um, and it just kind of fell out that way, then that's cool. If you're sitting down and going, oh, now I've included a bit of West African stuff, I should make sure that I include some Indian stuff as well, then that, again, would seem kind of contrived and wanky. I yeah. mean, I basically look at it like, like no one's going to, you know, no one who lives in that world is going to mistake what I do for the real thing. It's basically I write Western, you know, songs. Yeah. And they've got elements from from various places that influence them musically, but it's basically Western songwriting. Um Yeah, you're listening to an interview with Jeff Lang Talking about his new album I live in my head a lot of these days On the Sully Dog Blues and Roots Lately I've been feeling 
that I was going to pull over by the side of the highway somewhere and you know stare out into through a through a window of a van into a you know into the rain and 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 daydream for an hour and let lyrics come to me then I would yeah. um as life goes on you've got less time to just be self-indulgent like that um other things you know get in the way of that and so reading about people who can actually take the bull by the horns and go well I'm going to I'm going to have to make the time to do this and then they do and do really yeah. great work is inspiring um yeah. you know, it means that you can actually take some kind of control of this thing you can't make it be good you can't sit down and go I'm going to write a really great song today it doesn't work like that but I think if you actually do things and make things happen for yourself then you'll have more stuff and by dent of the fact that not everything you do will be great but not everything you do will be rubbish either then you'll have more good stuff at the end of all of that so yes i that's that's a principle that i've kind of used you know in the last period of time you know and it's good to not be precious about it too the idea of worrying about something to a ridiculous degree and sitting around and give, giving yourself hell and going oh Oh, but oh, is this going to be decent? Is this going to be... Yeah. The idea that every record you make has got to be a magnum opus that's got to, you know, just blow the world away and, and has to define your entire life and you better make sure it's it's the best thing ever. I mean, sure, you've got to care about... You care about it. No one probably cares about it as much as I do. About yeah. Getting good quality stuff. But against that, the fact that I care so much means that I'm no judge, really, as to whether it is actually any good. Mm. You know, because it's very easy to doubt that in yourself. Yeah, yeah. You get well, caught up in it's it's so bipolar. You get caught up in the excitement and rush of of creating something and go, wow, you know, this is exciting. I've written this song and I feel good about it. Wow, that's great. And then that gets quickly supplanted by, but you know, this is probably just the same dumb shit I always do. You know, <laughs> and no one cares about this. Why should they? You're crap. You know. <laughs> um, so you know. You, you could, you could spend, you could be completely deluded about yourself and go, yeah, that 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 rush of inspiration and excitement, that means I'm the greatest thing ever, and you know everyone should perform me, and that would just be insane. Yeah. But then also, spending your life inside the world where you're convinced that you suck is no yeah. fun either. So it is better in that sense, um, you know, in that sort of context to go, look, just get the thing done and get it out there. You, if you feel like you can stand behind it enough to commit it to a recording, then just finish it and do it. And it's more fun that way. And actually, I think, judging by the other records that I've worked on by people, you know, where I'm outside of that process, so I'm just listening to them as an outsider. Yeah. And I can hear that something's working and that it's good. So, yeah, yeah. And then you, and then you hear second-guessing start to happen. And that's where that sort of advice would come from, where you just go, look, you know, you're making it less fun for yourself with all of this second-guessing, and I can hear it slipping away from the essence of what you created, which was good. Don't worry about it. It's good. Yes. You know? Yes. You've got to back yourself sooner or later. Um, will we ever hear a, uh, uh, the, uh, the album, uh, the songs that Jeff Lang uh, rejected? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> There's a reason for it. <laughs> They don't generally get recorded. This is the thing. Um, well, well that, yeah, that'll be a test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. You know, there's things that you can kind of tell that that what what's wrong with something, and I and sometimes even I'll 
I'll finish something as an exercise in discipline. Um, yeah. You know, and it can it can bear fruit. Actually, there's a song on the record called "Standing on the Shore" that that basically was written in the margins of another song. I was writing something, and I pretty soon realised I was kind of writing it with a point of view. It was one of those times where I was kind of basically contriving a song out of something that I thought and felt. Yeah. And and you know, I don't generally put those out because it's just you know, like I said, it's like listening to yourself talk or something. It's boring. Yeah. Um, so, but it, you know, as that was happening, I was kind of scribbling a couple other things that were coming to mind in the margins of this page, and then when that was done. Later on, I looked at that. It's like, oh yeah, that's a load of rubbish. Thought it was. What is this yeah. stuff that I wrote over here? And it ended up being that song. Under a hollow moon, I'm standing on the shore. Solid Dog Blues and Roots, we're talking to Jeff Lang. About his new album, I Live in My Head, a lot these days. I gave a man. So, right. you know, sometimes it's good to just finish something, even, you know, let the brown water run out of the tap and then something else might flow on. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, um, just on the side, um, I did get hold of a recording that Johnny Winter had done years ago with some guy, and he refused to let it be released, and I know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are sometimes reasons for that, and then there's other times where, as a fan, you can get something from, you know, you might hear something that someone tried to, you know, or was a bootleg of a gig where they, I've got a yeah. recording of someone where they're really not happy at all, get complaining a lot about monitors and stuff, and they're really in a bad mood. Yeah, but it actually is pretty good. <laughs> it's actually a really good recording. You know, it's not a great quality recording. It's just someone recording it in the audience in the seventies somewhere. But yeah, um, but it's actually, you know, if you're a fan of someone's work, you can get something out of that stuff. So who knows? But yeah, certainly don't have any plans of sitting down and expending energy recording a bunch of songs that I'm pretty sure are duds. <laughs> oh well, love them. With your own philosophy, they might not be duds, but we'll move on. Um, the, 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 look, you've got a tour. You're releasing this album officially in May, mid-May. Yep. Um, and then you're touring from June. Yep. Um, and you're taking uh, Danny McKenna, Greg Sheehan and Tim King on the road. Yep. And you're going right around Australia, is that right? Now, the, the, the uh, And um, people can get a hold of that list of your website. Um, but the thing that is a bit disturbing, the actual brief is a psychiatric report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a bit of a laugh at um, 
my, my manager, Jordan, said, you know, maybe you just, you know, everyone's sick of the same old press release from everyone, you know. Um, yeah. You know, how about something like this? And he, he sent me a bunch of stuff and so it made me laugh because it was kind of funny. And, uh, yeah. And so then, yeah, between us, we started volleying stupid ideas back and the dumber it got, the more we giggled and then we just then we just included it. So maybe it was a mistake, but, uh, yeah. No, it's great. It's just sort of like a history of Geelong, early deprivation of social contact and the nutritious foods. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that necessarily should sum up too long. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, no, well, uh, they're, um, they're, bake- they're, they're bakeable, put it that way. Um, now, uh, <laughs> what's your favourite venue in Australia? One favourite one? I don't know if there's one. I mean, there's certainly... What, what, what do you really like, uh, without rejecting the others, of course? Well, I mean, certainly when I mentioned, you know, great place, the tanks in Cairns, uh, Flight by Night in, in Fremantle, yeah. um, the Thornbury Theatre in Melbourne, the Court Hotel is also a great one in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, there's there's Camelot in Sydney. There was another one that, that, that the guy, Yaron, who runs Camelot, used to run called Quirks. That was a ripper of a place too. Yeah. Um, the Basement have had a long history of really good nights there. Yeah, which, has, which, I mean, which has the best sound for, for your sort of music? Oh, there's a lot of places that sound good. I mean, all yeah. the ones that I mentioned have had, you know, rewarding experiences with the sound. You know, every room's got its own particular sound, sonic personality, a stamp that, you know, the music resonates in. But, they, but as long as they're conducive yeah. to, to good musical sounds, you know, they're not, the room's not fighting it. There's places where I've had good gigs, but the sound is a problem. Yeah. Um, you know that you have to you have to try and solve um you know lots of lots of glass lots of hard surf hard reflective surfaces all over the place they're they're problems um for sound but lots of wood you know that yep. they can be good and people who know how to where to deaden a room and where to hang you know where to hang deadening material so that it doesn't i mean the thornbury theater can be can be problematic for some people because it's a bit Boomy, but yeah. the guy who does sound for me, um, Jason McGann, he he worked there a lot. He was a house sound guy for probably still is, um, but for years, um, yeah. he knows. He's a great sound engineer. He knows how to make something sound good anywhere, but but particularly that room doesn't phase him. Um, so I've had really good experiences playing there. So you know, yeah. No, I want you take your own sound guy on the road. Yes, yeah, I have people in each area, actually. I mean, you know, there's pros and cons. It's it's good to have someone that you just take everywhere with you. But then against yeah. that, um, you know, I've got a few people I've been using for years, you know, someone who's in Brisbane, someone who's in Perth, someone who's in Adelaide, someone who's in Melbourne. So, you know, um, it's nice to kind of, I don't, you know, get out and, and tour everywhere that often. So it can be good to just, you know, get to WA and go, hey, John, good to see you again, man, you know, yeah, good to work yeah. with you, because they're all good, you know. And also, you do a lot of overseas work, so you can't uh, be lugging someone around, I guess, uh, on that. It would like, be nice, it, it, you know, my wife did live sound for me for a lot of years, that was a luxury that <laughs> was robbed from me when she selfishly decided to have her own career playing. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, a, it's, it's one of those things, it can be hit and miss, definitely, when you're especially when you hit, you know, festivals where you don't have 
much, you know, you have half an hour or something and you just kind yes. of change over and then hit the stage with someone doing sound for you who's never heard you before, doesn't know yeah. exactly what you do. I mean, you know, there's a lot of times if you've got a band and you've got an acoustic guitar, the default position is to kind of make the acoustic guitar sound like it's just kind of a bit of a note washed in with the hi-hats on the drum kit, you know, and that, yeah, just, yeah. that just doesn't work for, for my music, so yeah. you need to have someone who's kind of up with that. Yeah, no, I, I could see, I sort of see that happening at festivals. Sometimes you have to cringe thinking, for everybody's sake, if they turn, the changeover's too rapid, but... Um, well, yeah, I mean, look, you know, let's, and to be, to be fair, a lot of the times at those festivals, the crew are really are really good, um, yes. you know, and they actually can listen to what's going on and, and, and kind of work it out um, because they're good. Right, but, it's a miracle. Know, they, don't have, they don't have much time and they don't have, they have long hours. It's a pretty hard yeah. job. Yeah, it's a miracle sometimes that they get it so right. So um, True to... enough. And, and look, you can't please everyone out there too. Someone else, for, for each person who, you know, sees a gig and goes, I thought the music was too loud and I couldn't hear the words properly. Someone else would be like, ah, it was... Too quiet, and you know, could have been rocking more. You know, yeah. it wasn't enough bass. There was too much bass. You know, all yes. that kind of stuff. Everyone's, everyone's. You know, there's a, there's a sea of opinion, and, and a sea of experts as well. <laughs> that's true. Well, everyone is an expert on what they like to hear. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, look, uh, thanks for giving me some time, uh, Jeff. Really appreciate you talking uh, about the new album, and uh, we're just going to wish you well uh, on the tour. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a classic. Um, if I can smell one, uh, this is one of them. Oh, and, good on you, mate. Appreciate and, it. Uh, really, really appreciate your time and um, wish you well on the tour and uh, do, uh, turn up and uh, enjoy some great uh, Australian music. Cool, mate. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Um, Cheers, likewise. Uh, yeah. Like sleeping, babe, so calm would they be dragged from my grid If I were to fall in into the pool of the dream You've been listening to Solid Dog Blues and Roots uh, interview with Jeff Lang about his new album. I live uh, in my head a lot these days. If you want to uh, hear more, get on to jefflang.com.au and the uh, album will be released mid May. Uh, tour around Australia beginning in June uh, in Adelaide, going through Fremantle, Ravenswood and WA, Cronulla, Cairns, Bulleye, Hobart. D.Y., Sydney, Marrickville, Newcastle, Oakley, Melbourne, Hepburn Springs, uh, Mullumbimby, Darwin, Williamstown, Canberra and Geelong. Get on to jefflang.com and uh, check out the list. Make sure you get along. It's a great album.
Jeff Lang and you're listening to Salty Dog. 